We'll start with kids. I oversee and I kind of pick out and curate and make sure that the curriculum that we are teaching all the way from like babies, which we do like the curriculum is like a, a nursery rhyme kind of a deal there. Uh, twos and threes, which we do like actual Bible stories each and every week. They go through the Bible in kids stories every year. Like it applies with the craft. It's really cool. And then I also pick out the move, which our move service, which we said move. If you don't know what that is, that's essentially four years old to fourth grade. Whenever you go to fifth grade, we encourage you, you can stay for that fifth grade year, but we encourage you to go to our middle school class, which is happening right now, which is in the youth room during second service. That's led by Josh Lodes, who's a intern with us. About eight or so months ago, Josh was like, hey man, I'm really thinking about like going to school for youth ministry. And I was like, that's awesome, bro. And he was like, what should I do? And I was like, we should start. Like, like we should do it, like, together. So uh, he started doing that, and and he helps us out a ton, especially on the middle school side of things. So if you're a middle schooler here, and you hear my voice, and you're already bored, back door. I won't be offended. (laughs) Um, But so um, that's our middle school program, and then on Wednesday nights, or that's Sunday mornings, on Wednesday nights for our youth program, we run from 6.30 to 8 o'clock. Those were all the fall Sunday. Well, we started in the fall. We just ended with the school year. Um, But essentially during that time, we have worship, we have food, we have games, we have a message. But then most importantly, what we do is we break kids up age specifically, kind of like what we do. We do it also in move. I know Chloe kind of touched on it, but even for the little kids, we break each section of our youth up by age because obviously, you know, a, a sixth grader and a ninth grader understand like entirely different things. Even like sixth to seventh grade, they understand entirely different things. So we break most of our age groups up as specifically as we can by age so that we can teach them specifically by age. So we do that across all formats, but like I was saying, on Wednesday nights, we break into small group, which are volunteer-led, and they're just led by people who love Jesus, who love kids, who want to share their life experience with them and help kids grow and help them develop. So it's a really, really cool, unique environment we have there. Um, So we do that every Wednesday. Um, Over summer, what we're doing is through the month of June, we're doing a Bible study that's here at the church. It's from 7 to 8 p.m. It's going to be led by me. And then for the month of July, we're going to camps. So we have two major camps, July 7th through the 12th, and then July 28th through the August 4th. The first one is high schoolers. So that's high school camp at Lake Aurora Christian Camp, which is where I worked. I worked there for like eight years. So I'm a really, really big fan of camp. But I'm a big fan of camp in the sense of like, I know what it will do for me here because I know that it will take me years to forge. Let's forge. Doug, you owe me a dollar. I did that joke in the first service too. Um, It's $2 now, Doug. Um, So we forge and we build this relationship with kids in a week, which would take me years to do if we just came on Sundays. So it's an opportunity that we take kids. They go an hour and a half down down old uh, I-4 and then to 27, right down to the middle of state in sunny old Lake Wales, Florida. Uh, And we unplug them from their phones, social media, uh, you know, outside influences, all that stuff. And we provide a fun, safe environment for them to learn about Jesus. Uh, And it's a life, and I'm telling you guys, it's a life-changing experience for these kids. That is why this past year, with everything we were doing towards our youth ministry, we pointed towards camp. We talked about camp all year because predominantly the people who come or the kids who come on Wednesday nights, they don't come here or they don't come to church at all. So 
when we talk about camp, they don't really understand, like, what that means or why they should go or that it's not creepy or weird or we don't brainwash them while they're there or anything like that. <laughs> uh, and then especially when we talk to their parents and we tell them that it's a week away with us and then there's this you know, $300 price tag on it, they get kind of worried too and they go, oh, well, we don't have the money to send our kid to camp. Um, so this year, our budget, everything reflected the idea that we wanted to take every kid we could to camp. So two years ago, my first year here, we took 16. Last year, we took about 22. This year, we're going to take over 40 kids to camp. 40 life-changing weeks, uh, or 40 life-changing experiences at a week of camp. Um, but what comes with that also is uh, we're going to scholarship around 18 kids. Of those 18 kids, they pay their deposit, and we tell them, hey, we're going to pay the rest because we believe that this week and this experience is going to change your life. And we're not asking anything from you except to be blessed by this church, by what we're doing here. So um, one thing that I really want to encourage you guys, as we're getting a little bit closer, we'll know an exact number uh, of kind of what we were budgeting towards, and then this is what is over budget. But we're asking that the very generous members of our congregation would make up for what is over budgeted for it. Uh, so that's 18 kids. It's like $300 a kid. So it, it's a big chunk of money. But if that's something you want more information on, I would love to talk to you about it, what it looks like. Uh, we're going to capture some of the stories of the kids from camp, and we're going to bring them back and share them here with you guys. Um, but if you were led to donate to it, all you would do is, any way you typically give online here on Sundays, and just write in the bottom, camp scholarships. And, and like I said, that goes directly to changing a kid's life. It's a huge, huge thing that we're doing. Uh, I'm here every Sunday. <laughs> I'm usually out front to the left. If you ever have any questions about kids, middle school, high school, you know, pretty much so from like 18 down. I can, I, I can get you an answer and we can talk about it. If you have curriculum questions, if you're wondering what our kids are teaching, you know, anything like that, please come talk to me. I'd love to let you know about that. And like Chloe said, also Chloe does so much more than volunteer. Like I got to get her a new title because that one doesn't like do like anything what she does. Um, she is amazing. You can talk to her as well. We'd both love to talk to you about how to get involved in those programs. All right, I'm going to pray for us really quickly, and then we're going to transition into the message. So if you would, bow with me. Heavenly Father God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the opportunity we have just as a body of believers to get together, to worship you, to enjoy, you know, uh, the, the youth, to enjoy this life into the church, uh, and then ultimately to learn more about you and to worship your son, God. We praise you. We love you. Amen. So, um, so uh, well, oof, I just doubled so odd and then almost threw my iPad down. No Seth this week. Sorry about that. Uh, but we've been working for like a uh, like couple months on this series, looking at what this idea means and, and working through the month of June of saying, we want to take the next four weeks and talk about what would make a better you in five years. So today what we're going to do is I'm going to ask some questions. We're going to look at like, I'm talking like tip of the iceberg kind of stuff. I have three ideas to share with you guys. Um, and that's what we're going to do. To start sermon planning, whenever I get asked to preach a sermon, I'm usually like, yay! I do a jump up, and then I go, all right, what am I going to talk about? And he was like, you're kicking off you in five years. And I was like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to Google what you can do in five years. So I made a little list, guys. A, a little, like, here, here's what five years could potentially hold from you. Uh, five years from now, if you started uh, really now, uh, in five years, you could have a degree. You could have gone back to college and get a new degree. And I know some of you are like, what? It only takes four years to get a degree. Not so fast. <laughs> it takes some of us a lot longer, okay? Um, 
You can get a degree in five years. Um, you can learn a new skill. My wife and I, we bought a house last year. And although I come from a long lineage of people who were contractors, handymen, farmers, people who work with their house or work with their hands, I do not work with my hands. And I found that out while tiling my bathroom. If you're ever lucky enough to come over to the dome household, look in the bathroom. It's terrible. Five years, I could learn a new skill like tiling or any number of handyman skills that I so badly need. Um, five years from now, you can learn a new language. That would be pretty easy. You can probably learn a couple languages. I shot, I shot small here. Go, go big, guys. Learn a couple languages. Rosetta Stone. Um, have you ever heard of Duolingo? It's an app. It, it's a game. It's not a, it's not a way. Hannah will play it on her phone. She's like, I'm learning. I'm like, no, you're not. You're playing a game that just happens to do with some other language. Um, five years from now, you could learn like a new like like art, like you could become like, maybe not a great artist, but you could become a pretty decent artist if you dedicated five years of free time to becoming like a painter or a sculptor or a clay worker or a drawler. <laughs> uh, five years from now, that's enough time for you to own, to buy, own, remodel, and sell a house. I'm talking five years away from Chip and Joanna Gaines, okay? Um, if you saved a dollar every day between now and five years, you would have $1,825. Now, that sounds obvious, it's 1,825 days. But if you have a kid who's like 10 or 11 right now, you need to go to them and say, you need to save a dollar a day. Because when you turn 16, that means you're going to have $1,800 to go buy your first car. Amen? Amen? When I turned 16, I went to my dad and I was like, yo, so like, what am I going to drive? <laughs> Get your kid saving a dollar a day. Um, Five years is long enough time for you to learn how to play an instrument. You can play guitar. The other day, uh, Hannah and I were walking through downtown Sanford, and we saw an old man band. Little three-piece guys, all gray hair, playing, playing instruments, jamming out. There was really nobody there, but they didn't care because they were in an old man band. Write that down. Um, if you read a book, a book a month, you could read 60 books between now and five years. That is six pages a day, people, if the book's around 250 pages. If you read, I'm talking like, not like fantasy novels or like science fiction or anything like that, but if you read like, like historical books, biographies, there is a whole world of knowledge that awaits in those books. I mean, you could totally, you could gain a couple IQ, IQ points, five quick years. Uh, could you imagine? I mean, we're in church. What could your faith look like in five years? If you spent time reading, praying, thinking, growing, you know, five years from now, you could have a totally different faith. If you read two chapters a day of your Bible, a little two chapters, I would suggest go New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, because like Leviticus gets a little long, even though we just did a series on Leviticus, but we won't talk about that. Um, if you did that two chapters a day in five years, you would have read the Bible start to finish three times, three whole times, start to finish. This is talking about like revolutionizing in five years your picture of who God is. I mean, some people go their whole lives going to church and never reading the Bible. You could do it three times in five years. Now, of course, I made a positive list. There's a lot of negative lists. There's, there's some things we could do that are negative in five years. Um, in five years' time, you could be, you know, like finalizing your divorce if you neglect your spouse for the next five years. Probably not going to stick around very long. Five years, you could be five years into a 10-year prison sentence, which is pretty easy math. You would also be five years into a 25-year prison sentence, so on and so forth. <laughs> like fitting that in there, so on and so forth. Um, five years from now, you could have gone with three or four different jobs, kind of like half-heartedly attacking each one, never really applying yourself, and then eventually getting fired and being like, oh, my boss was terrible. Like, that's plenty of time. Five years, you can get a pretty good drug addiction going. Uh, you could gain 30 pounds, 
pile on some debt. Am I right? I mean, we could do that quickly. <laughs> if this was a challenge, I'd get a lot of debt in five years. Um, you could smoke 36,500 cigarettes in five years, and that is less than half a pack a day. Wrap your mind around that one. There, there's a lot of good in our lives that we can do in five years. There's a lot of negative you could do in your life in five years. But what we are focusing on and kind of the idea of this sermon and the next couple of weeks is this, this, this idea that we tend to overestimate what we can do in one year and underestimate what we can do in five we will look at short term. I will start working out. I will start running. I'll start doing whatever. And after a week when my life is not different, I go, man, I'm not quit. Like we will always overestimate short term and underestimate long term. And it breeds this really negative culture in us because we never stick things out long enough to find out what would actually happen. I mean, five years can seem like a lot when I'm talking about like five years of school or five years of reading. Like that sounds terrible. But in all actuality, when I look back five years, I'm 26 now. 21 was not that long ago. Like, like I remember like yesterday. I mean, it's 11.03, June 2nd. June 2nd at 11.03 in 2014, I can tell you where I was. I can tell you what seat I was in. And I can tell you that I was at church, of course. Amen, brother. Um, I was at, but I can tell you that after I left church, I went back to camp to start my summer job. Because I remember that date five years ago goes by in a flash. My father always tells me that time keeps moving faster the older you get. We talk about five years like it's some distant future, but in all actuality, it's not. It's right around the corner. Um, so today we're going to be Romans 6, 11 uh, through 14. This is the message version. Um, so here we go. Do not, or uh, sorry, <laughs> reset. But make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted and taking care of your day-to-day -day obligations that you lose track of time. Amen. There's a sermon. And doze off, oblivious to God. The night is over. Dawn is about to break. Be awake and be up to what God is doing. This is Paul talking to the church in Rome. Let's keep in mind what Rome was. Rome was the empire where Caesar was God. He wasn't talking to people who were like, oh, well, I don't know what to do. Like, this, these are people who were constantly under persecution. So when he's telling them that there's something happening and that it's urgent, Sound like, hey, don't waste time. Hey, get up. Get excited. We're, we're doing something here. God is putting the finishing touches on salvation work he began when we first believed. We cannot afford to waste a minute. We must not squander these precious daylight hours in fertility and indulgence, in sleeping around in dissipation, in bickering and gabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed. Get dressed. Don't loiter. Don't linger. Don't waste until the very last, don't wait until the very last minute. Dress yourself in Christ. Be up and about. Paul's urging. This is, this is a, this is like a, a plead. Hey, get up. Hey, come on. We're doing something. Hey, something is happening here. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a second and we're going to think. Now, however you want to think, if you're a closed eye thinker, that's fine. If you want to stare at the wall, if you want to stare into my majestic eyes, whatever works for you, we're going to think about something. I'm going to say two phrases and I want you to think about the last time you heard it, maybe the last time you said it, maybe the last time you heard it said about somebody else. Are you ready? Ready? That person is so stuck in their ways. That person is so stuck in their ways. Think about it. Got it? File, click, save. Next phrase. Okay. 
that person, or you are, or I am, just going through the motions. Just going through the motions. Got it? Cool? We good? Now, if I was a betting man, I would probably wager a large sum of money that each and every time we hear first phrase or second phrase, they're not used in a positive light. Like, we're not talking about, like, sweet old, like, like grandma, like, oh, man, grandma's so stuck in her ways of being kind. <laughs> like, no. Like, when we say, man, that person's so stuck in their ways, we're talking about somebody who's, like, like, like rude or mean or, like, crotchety, and you're like, oh, I can't stand, they're so stuck in their ways. Or, or when we say that person's just, like, going through the motions, like, the last time I said that, and as I wrote it, I remembered it, it was me, like, I used to, uh, when I worked at Lake Aurora Christian Camp, I was, like, at the end, I was managing, like, the college age staff, and I remember, like, one time being, like, really mad about them, like, missing a bunch of stuff and being like, you guys are just going through the motions. You don't even care. Like, and, and then as I was writing it, I was like, dang, come to think of it, aren't we all just going through the motions? I mean, like, like seriously, think about it. If you have a full-time job, like, if you have a family, if you're a full-time student, which is pretty much the most of us here, between job and school, we're, we're, we're pretty booked, guys. Most of our days are pretty similar. Like, for me, example, I thought, okay, if you picked a day of the week, I can probably tell you where I am at that time. Like, like Tuesday, random day, Tuesday. I know that Tuesday, I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. I'm going to take my dogs out. I'm going to go wash my face, brush my teeth, get dressed for work, maybe take a few seconds for myself, and then I'm hopping in the Prius and the whip. I'm getting 50 miles to the gallon on the way to the church, okay? Listening to a podcast. When I come in, I park in the same spot every day. Like, and if somebody takes my parking spot, I get low-key mad. I'm like, why are you parking there? You know that's my spot. So I pull into my parking spot. I come into the back door. I have this routine down so much. It's like a five-minute window of time of when I enter every single day. And I know that because our uh, two of our maintenance staff guys, Daniel and Caesar, are doing their, like, walkthrough of the building every morning. And they're walking into the staff area as I'm walking in. Every day, we fist bump and we go, on schedule today, right? Pop, pop cup of coffee. I'm in my office. I'm going through my list of my things to do because if I don't have a list, I'm just going to like wander and do nothing. Uh, and then at about 11.45 or so, I get out my peanut butter and jelly, which I keep in my secret stash in my desk. If you're ever hungry and you're at the church, third pullout drawer is all snacks, bread, and peanut butter. I make a peanut butter and jelly. I eat a bag of baked chips, a granola bar. I get out my squirt Mio. I put two squirts into a cup of water. I eat lunch. I go back to work, okay? When I go home, I know I'm going to sit on the couch because in about 10 or 15 minutes, my wife's going to come home. We're going to talk about our days. We're going to watch TV or something to keep our mind occupied until 6.30. At 6.30, I look at her. She looks at me. We know what's up. We get back in the Prius. We let it whip on the way to Longwood. We pull into the Longwood Sonic. Everybody who's woke here knows what happens at the Longwood Sonic on Tuesdays. Half price Sonic burgers, people. Half price, okay? It's, a, it's, a, it's like a giveaway. We go in. <laughs> we pull in, pull into the drive-thru. We order. I take my phone out. I pull it up to Hulu, okay? We watch an episode of Survivor. My food comes, or our food comes at some point in there. We eat, and if it's a good day, we have taken long enough from 6.30 or probably about 6.45 our arrival to about 8, because you know what happens at 8 o'clock at Sonic on Tuesday nights? Half 
priced milkshakes. Bam! And then we get milkshakes, people. Milkshakes, and it cost me like 50, maybe less than $15. We watch TV. I'm talking date night, guys. You're welcome, okay? We go home. I probably catch the end of the Rays game, take a shower, go to bed. Like, we are all going through the motions, okay? We are all stuck into something. The question is, and the question of the day is, what are you stuck in? Are the things you're doing going to lead to a better life? Because we're all going through the motions. It just depends on what kind of motions we're going through. Specifically today, this Sunday, we are talking about the 95, 98% of your life where we're going through the day-to-day. We're going to talk next week about those life-changing moments, those life good, some bad we're talking about those today. Today, we're ta- or talking about those next week. Today, we're talking about the mundane, the ordinary, the normal. I have an image for us. Psalms 118, 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Look at this photo. You've probably seen one of these before. The, the righteous people on Facebook share them. You know what I'm talking about? You got a couple of those? If you do share them, God bless you. I love you. Um, <clears throat> I said a negative, and then I made it a positive. Don't worry about it. Um, so look at this image here. We have uh, mountains. We have some sort of flowery field. Somehow, and I don't know where in the world this is, there's also a body of water, and then the sun is rising just over the mountains. Tell me, there is probably few circumstances in my life where I could be looking at this and not thinking, wow, like, thank you, God. This is so great. Do you know where I have an issue rejoicing in the Lord and knowing that this is the day that he has made? When my dog licks my face at 5.30 in the morning and I have to like, ah, I have to sleep for like 30 more minutes, get off of me. Or when I'm on 4.34 and there's an accident and you have that one lane that has to merge over and you see that person coming in your rearview mirror and you're like, he's not merging. He's not merging. And he just flies on by, goes all the way to the front, cuts over to the left and you're like, you know, Like, those are the moments where I I don't, like, oh, this is not the phrase that comes to mind. You see, it is super easy in our mundane, in our day-to-day, in the stuck, in our ruts to forget that Jesus didn't come to redeem, like, our best life. Like, this isn't the one that I'm like, oh, yeah, thanks a lot, God. Like, no, Jesus came to redeem your ordinary day-to-day life. Dallas Willard, in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, puts it this way. The divine life that we live is played out in our days, hours, and minutes. God is forming us into a new people, and the people of that transformation, or in the place of that transformation, is in the small moments of the day. We think sometimes that this is all like, um, like, like, like there's a best life out there, like there's this better me out there, and I just got to get there. No, like th- there's a divine blessing in each and every day. Your mundane, your day-to-day is beautiful. We just have to choose to see the beauty in it and make those in ways that we're going to want to get better in. I have a first note of the day. The ways that you go in are the ways that you get stuck in. I don't know if I gave that to him. I might not have. The ways that you go in are the ways that you'll get stuck in. That ordinary life that you get stuck with yeah, those are the ways that you're going in. Like, like that, that, that's your life. That's the things that we're doing every single day. So uh, in order to see a better you in a better world, to make the best, you know, a better version of yourself in five years, I got three quick things for us. 
Three quick little things. Um, the first one, and this one's a sad truth, uh, time isn't on your side. If we remember that song, I'm not going to sing it because they don't let me sing anymore, but time, time, time is on my side. Not necessarily true because we know as adults, when we look back to five years ago, depending where you are in your life, if you're like 18 sitting here and you're like 13, that was forever ago. But then when you get to like, like 25 and you're like, wait a second, I'm 30? Like what happened? Like I, I was going through this and my original idea was to have balloons out here that were going to display my age. But then I realized that I'm 26 and that means in five years, I'm going to be 31. And I was like, nah, we ain't got to do that. Never mind, that was a dumb idea anyways. Like, <laughs> 31, it's, it's old, trust me. Uh, it means something. I know you people are looking at me, judging me, but that's a lot for me, okay? I'm dealing with it. Uh, in Romans, Paul points out twice, back-to-back times when writing to the Romans, hey, uh, here it is, make sure that you don't get absorbed in the day-to-day, Okay? The night is almost over. The dawn is about to break. He's calling them an urgency to this time that's coming, okay? In here, the word, don't lose track of time. That word time is the Greek word kairos. Kairos, it doesn't mean a specific time. That's chronos. That's like, oh, we go to eat at 6.30. Like kairos is like, oh, I know that someday I will get this. I know that someday this is coming. And what Paul is using is he's using that word and he's setting an urgency to it. Like this is a strategically sought out plan. Like something is happening. The time is coming and I don't want you to miss it. Think about last year. If you've been following along with us for a year, a year ago we were in Ecclesiastes and we were going through vapor. If you remember the Vapor series, when it first started, we had a very, like, it was very, um, like, meaningful. It was done by the drama team. They had three people come out, and it was very dark, and they said, meaningless, meaningless, life is meaningless. Remember this? And we were all like, ah, my God, it's 1030 in the morning. Um, (laughs) Maybe it was just me. Um, But in Hebrew, that actually, the word meaningless is vapor. And it's not saying that life is meaningless, but this life is passing. It's fleeting. It's a vapor. It's here one moment and gone the other. The whole book of Ecclesiastes points to this idea that your life is so enriched with meaning because it's temporary, because everything is passing, because everything is fleeting, because I don't know what tomorrow will look like. That is what this beauty, or I don't know if tomorrow's guaranteed. That, that, that's what this beauty in the life is. And, and when we look at ourselves and we look at us in five years, we have to understand that that five years is coming fast. And, and if we want to make a change, the time to make a change is now. It's not later. It's now. So uh, that's the first one. Time is not on your side. Second one, uh, future you is simply an exaggerated version of current you. This is my favorite. <laughs> When I was writing this one, I was like, ouch, Mitchell, like to myself, future you is just an exaggerated version of current you. We tend to romanticize the future. Like think about like the Jetsons or like back to the future. Like that year just happened and I don't have a hoverboard. Like what the heck, man? Where did we go wrong? I was watching Demolition Man. 
the other day. It was a couple weeks ago. Stallone, Wesley Stipes, you with me on this? Like, in the future, but like, our future looks nothing like that because we tend to romanticize the future. I tend to look at five years from now, Mitchell, 31, oh, well, I'll probably have like, you know, a mansion and like a sports car. My golf handicap's gonna be like a two. Like, it's gonna be great. I can't wait to get there. That's, that's not the truth. The truth is, like I said before, barring like major events, barring like a Disney or Hallmark-like intervention, if you aren't a happy person, if you aren't, if you aren't giving, if you are greedy, if you are selfish, odds are you're not going to get unstuck in those ways in five years. Time doesn't tend to change us. It tends to reveal who we truly are. Five years from now, we get more stuck in our ways. Five years from now, we continue in our path. Now, like I said, sometimes we are lucky enough to get, bam, like bopped on the head, like, but like divine, like God's just like, bam, like stop doing that. But more often than not, if you're a generous person today, five years from now, you're probably going to be more generous. If you're bitter, if you're angry, five years from now, sadly, you're probably going to be the same. And, and trust me, I understand, looking back five years in the past, like, I think about my life, like, my five years hasn't been all roses. Like, it hasn't been all great. Like, there were some really tough moments in there. And some of you, five years ago, between now and then, you might have had some, like, actual, like, real-life, like, tragedy. And I'm not trying to say that that's, like, your fault. I'm not just trying to say, like, just get over it. But I'm telling you that if you're continuing to lash out at other people because someone else hurt you, yeah, the five years isn't going to change that. You're just going to continue. A wise man once told me, hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. Yeah, like, like, like typically if that, that angry, like lashing out person, like they, they probably weren't made that way. They probably weren't always like that. And if that's you here in this room, I'm sorry. Like, like I'm not trying to make light of what happened, but I'm just trying to tell you, man, you have to move on. Hey, hey, the past is over. We, we got something going on here. Paul in Romans keeps pointing out, hey, don't lose track. Hey, don't get lost in the day-to-day. Remember, something big is happening here. It is never, never too late to start making the right decisions. I got two verses to back this up. Uh, here's the first one. Uh, Proverbs eleven twenty seven. 27. Um, Whoever seeks good finds favor, but evil comes to those who search it. If you're looking for a reason to be mad you're going to find it. If you're looking for a reason to be happy, odds are you're going to find it. Like, it doesn't matter if you get the new job or the new house or the new car, because you're just going to find something to be mad about there. Like, your marble countertops aren't nice enough. We just put in wood countertops. It was terrible. It's like, marble is the way to go. Hopefully, five years from now, we'll have marble. Um, secondarily, uh, Proverbs 6.27, whoever digs a pit will fall in it. If someone rolls a stone, it will be rolled back on them. Proverbs, the whole book is this, it's an ancient like wisdom teaching to the Hebrew people. The whole point of Proverbs is trying to let them know that each one of their actions are important. Each thing that they're doing is meaningful. Therefore, they need to be paying attention. Hey, what you're doing is going to have consequences. Hey, you're going to reap what you sow. Like the book of Proverbs and Psalms over and over and over and over again. It's this idea that's being beat into our heads. The things we're doing today matter. Now, once again, 
uh, future you is simply an exaggerated version of current you. So uh, the good news here is that five years from now, like you five years from now, it's not clouded in mystery. Like, like we don't have to wonder what that's like. Like look at yourself with a couple more miles on the odometer. Okay? That's probably what it's going to look like in the future. So if you're looking around and you're like, okay, like I, I think I'm doing pretty good. Like five years from now, I'm going to be, I'm going to be okay. That's awesome. If you're looking around though, or maybe you're looking around going, oh no, if my life is still like this in five years, I'm going to be super unhappy. Don't wait five years to find out. Don't wait until you get there to go, why didn't I make a change? Why didn't I do something differently? The time is now. The time to start making the changes is here. It's come. The dawn is about to break. The salvation work has continued in you. We must choose to start doing it now and not wait until later. Finally, third point, and this is where we're going to end on. Um, ongoing consistency is much more important than short-term intensity. Like we said, man, we tend to get out the blocks quick. Like when we say like, I'm going to eat less sugar, we go like, I ain't gonna, I'm not going to eat a single thing. And then we just stop all together and it lasts like a week. And then we're like, ah, oh, never mind. Like, like the other day I was like, I started logging like my food to like know like what my like calorie intake was. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I did that for like a week because I was like, I have to log everything. Like I need to know how many calories are in that slice of bread. Like, yeah, 10, more often than not, we get burnt out on things. So if you're wondering what the response is to this and what the response is for the next three weeks, it's not go out and make a radical change. It's not go like, you know, dump your, you know, dump your boyfriend. It's not go quit your job. It's not, it's nothing like that. The, the call for here, the call for this is to start taking inventory of your life. Start caring about the little decisions in your day. Look around and go, hey, if this math equation stays the same, does this plus this plus this plus this equal a better me in five years? Am I going to be happy in five years? And if not, maybe it's time to switch up the equation a little bit. Throw in some subtraction signs. But don't try to do them all at once. Don't try to fix your day. This is about a better you in 60 months, not in 60 days. Okay? I have, I have two, two quotes here. Um, the first one is Albert Einstein. Compound interest is the most powerful force in the world. Those who understand it receive it. Those who don't pay it. Think about retirement versus credit cards. When we go out and try to make it all happen at once, when we try to go get everything, yeah, that tends to not work out well for us. But when we make little decisions, when we start saving little things, it can add up to something huge. C.S. Lewis put it this way. Both good and evil increase at compound levels. The little random acts of kindness, the little moments of good, when you start doing them, when you start giving, when you start caring about those around you, it gets easier and easier and easier. When you start not caring, when you start being selfish, when you start doing bad things, it gets easier and easier and easier. That's how you wind up five years from now going, what happened? How did I end up here? My final quote, my final tweetable moment, the life you get stuck with is the life you're choosing to live today. The life you get stuck with is the life you're choosing to live today. Guys, I am here to tell you that there is good news. The dawn is about to break. The redemption is on the horizon. We just have to choose to start making the little moments now. 
We're going to come to a time in our service where we remember, where we reflect on the ultimate sacrifice, the redemption, the thing that made us able to live the life that we are capable of living today. That God came down, became flesh, lived, and died for us. As we're going through the elements of communion, I want you to remember that little piece of bread is the body. That little cup of juice is the blood that was poured out on our behalf so that we could live this life, so that we could be in relationship with God. It was the ultimate show of love. There are four communion stations, two on each side of the room, one in the back that's gluten-free, and if you can't get up and get communion, just raise your hand, and we have someone that will bring it to you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you just for your son, God, for the love, the opportunity we have to change, to be a better version of ourselves, God. We pray um, that in this moment we can remember the sacrifice, God. We praise you. We love you. Amen.